0: Ah, this week, school is back in session, I think. Uh, some schools have been back in session, but I think most schools are in session this upcoming, I think, Wednesday. I don't know. Um, I know for my son, we have preschool preview day um, tomorrow that we're, like, in, internally weeping about. And um, I know teachers have already had to sew up for classes. And for some of you, like, you are really mourning the loss of summer. Like, this summer, it was lousy anyways. It, all it did was rain. We live in a rainforest now. And all it did was rain, and summer's slipping away. It's already starting to get cool in the morning, which I do really love. And others of you, you're really excited about the next season. You're ready for the ritual and the routine that the school year and the kind of regular schedule brings to life. Some of you mothers are particularly excited um, about it. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, we know our children are blessings and we hope they bless others as well. Um, but, uh, anyways, no matter what, our lives are filled with routines and priorities and concerns. There's things that we have to get done, homework to complete, bills we have to pay, and so forth and so on. Places we have to be, appointments we have to be at. We've got doctor's appointments, we have appointments at work, and so forth, and so on. Our lives are busy lives. But oftentimes, in the middle of all of it, in the middle of all of that, we can get really distracted, and the things that we think are, are most important to us have a way of, like, shifting slowly out of our schedules. We don't mean to let this happen. Sometimes it just happens. We start going through life. We want to prioritize our faith and our family and and time for ourselves. And sooner or later, we somehow have forgotten God and have spent little time with family and have forgotten to take care of ourselves in the process. We are distracted people. We have lots going on. Well, today we're going to look at a really popular passage of Scripture, And what I want us to discover in it is the simple truth that those who prioritize Jesus first are those that enjoy Jesus most. That those who prioritize Jesus as first place in their lives and hold on to that and guard that and protect that are those that experience Jesus the most and enjoy his presence the most. And if we want to live in light of grace, In the light of the love of God, if we want to rest in his goodness and walk in his ways, we need to prioritize Jesus. So if you have a Bible or an iPhone or the Internet or whatever, um, turn your Bible to Luke chapter 10. We'll be in verses 38 to 42 together, just five short verses. And before we read it, I want to take a moment and mention after we'll read the text. And after I'm done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And you'll reply, thanks be to God. Because we believe here that God has spoken. And no matter what I say after I read this text, what I read is God's very word to us. And that is a reason to say thank you. So, hear God's word for us this morning. While they were traveling, he entered a village You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, you've spoken. You've spoken fully and finally in your Son, and you speak to us through your word, by your Spirit. We ask that you would do that for us today. Would we hear your voice through the pages of your your word, Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a passage of contrast. Luke loves to contrast things. We've contrasted Mary and Zechariah the priest way back in, I think, chapter uh, 1 of the gospel of Luke. We've seen, we've seen people not likely to get the message of Jesus and the good news of the gospel are the people that actually get it and the people less likely to get it are the people we thought would. Luke loves to contrast people and we're going to look at a contrast between Martha and Mary. And as we do it, we want to see how these two people can inform our own life and walk with Jesus. And the first person we're going to look at is Martha. She is a distracted person. The text begins by mentioning that While they are traveling, they entered a village. So Jesus is walking through a village. And like he gave his disciples instructions way back, I forget what chapter it was. And like he gave his other 72 that he sent out instructions. They were to go into town, declare peace over it. If someone opened up their home to them, they were to to enter in and um, receive the hospitality of another. So Jesus walks into another town, another village. And Martha opens up her home To Jesus, and Jesus practices what he preaches. He walks into their home. She has compassion on Jesus. She believes in Jesus. She likely sees him as a great teacher and she welcomes him to serve him. But Martha is also super busy. And you see, in the time of Jesus, hospitality would have would have come with lots of rules. There would have been things that were expected to be done. Jesus would have come in and she would have tried to get all of the things ready and in the right place for Jesus, showing good hospitality. There would have been cultural expectations upon her and upon Mary to serve Jesus in certain ways by providing food and drink and so forth. And we have our own cultural you know, concepts of hospitality. Then when we set the table, the fork goes on the left, the knife and the spoon on the right. And then there's a little spoon that no one really knows what's for up here and, and so forth. We have our cultural expectations that, that if you go to someone's house, you might bring a bottle of wine and so forth. Well, they had their habits as well. And Martha, she is busy trying to fulfill all of these habits. She is trying to be a good host. Who wouldn't? Jesus is here. We want to be a good host for Jesus. But her younger sister, Mary, isn't following her lead at all. Text says she had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. And then the text says that Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And you can feel the kind of tension in the room start to rise as as Mary, little sister Mary, isn't helping older sister Martha. She's just sitting, talking to Jesus. And Martha, she keeps coming in and out of the room and she's like, when is Mary gonna get off her butt and start helping me? And she's getting more and more upset about this. She's got coffee to make and there are pastries to put out. Why is Mary just sitting there? She needs to get up and help. You compound this with the fact that culturally at the time, it was not the place for women to sit at the feet of a rabbi. That wasn't what you were supposed to do. But there Mary is. Sitting at Jesus feet. Listening. Martha is pretty peeved. She's had enough. She finally speaks out. And calls out to Jesus. Lord. Lord don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to give me a hand. She's at her wit's end. With, with her little sister Mary. Maybe a little sibling rivalry going on. I don't know, but needless to say, Jesus responds, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice. Martha's expecting Jesus to like, come in, give her a hand, tell, Mar- tell Mary, get moving, get helping. But Jesus does the
1: exact opposite He commends Mary, and he gently corrects Martha. Because what we begin to see is Martha had her priorities backwards. She put doing things for Jesus ahead of being with Jesus. She's living a distracted life. She's got all this stuff to do. In the effects of a distracted life, of a life
0: with disordered priorities, is one that affects us relationally with others. When our priorities are off, we can affect the relationships with, with those around us, and we can affect our own relationship with God negatively. Martha's demeanor was, after all, negative towards her sister. She is upset and when we mix up our priorities when we get busy and distracted when we when we forget to order our lives correctly we can live distracted lives and that can lead to a series of emotions that can lead to anger some people you might experience anger you get easily upset with those around you You got lots to do you got lots to do why is it why aren't other people doing it You can become short-fused and impatient. Maybe you get a bit snippy with those around you because you just feel so busy and you're so distracted and your priorities are all mixed up and you feel like there's so many demands on you that you just get a little upset with people. Instead of the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you are experience a lack of love, not much peace,
1: and not much patience with those around you. That anger can also lead to a sense of comparison.
0: So, we get this, a disordered life can lead us to be angry towards others, to to display fruit that does not look like the fruit of the spirit, but that looks like the fruit of something else, the fruit of self. But it can also lead to a sense of comparison. It's
1: what Martha does right in the text. Do you ever compare yourself with other people? Like, why? Why is my life so hard? Or why does that person
0: seem to have it all together? Or why can't they act like me? We look around like Martha. We see all the stuff we're doing sometimes, and we don't see all the things everyone else is doing. We compare. We see someone else's Instagram picture of their like devotional, and they stage their Bible, with their coffee like neatly perched next to it. And there's like rays of light coming through. And you're like, well, I'm glad they had time for that because I have X, Y, and Z to do today. I'm glad that they had time for the Lord. And what that can eventually get us to is a place of resentment. We end up resenting the people around us for what they're doing. And we see these kind of, Martha, she's, she 's upset she 's distracted she 's got lots to do these are These are not bad things that she wanted to do for jesus these are These are not wrong things they 're culturally appropriate to to show good hospitality
1: to serve god but she 's distracted and she 's comparing maybe she 's even resenting she finally
0: calls out to jesus for help but you see, this distractedness and busyness can not only hurt our relationship with others, it can also damage our relationship with God himself because it causes us to miss him altogether, to not see his presence with
1: us at all. Martha was distracted. She didn't notice That Jesus wasn't just another rabbi at that moment. He was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Messiah. And she's so busy with all of her stuff. She calls out to God for help. And how does Jesus reply? I love this. Jesus doesn't condemn Martha, he doesn't like,
0: Martha, I'm right here, pay attention. Get your head in the game. I'm the Messiah. Look at me. Jesus actually steps into the very emotions and feelings that Martha has. He says, if you have your Bible open, he says, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Jesus sees Martha's concerns. He sees what she's all worried about. He sees that she's upset. And he doesn't just, he doesn't say, Martha, why do you feel this way? He doesn't just con- condemn her. He's, he steps into her her space and says, I see. You're, you're worried. You're upset about a lot.
1: I see that. Martha, I see that you're worried. I see that you're distracted. He acknowledges the reality of those things in her life.
0: We are... A lot like Martha, aren't we? We are distracted and upset about many things.
1: We're people with smartphones and Instagram and Twitter or X, Threads, and um,
0: the twenty-four hour news cycle. We're people with email that comes to our phone all the time. We got—we're spread thin. We got sports. We have. Activities. We have church things that we have to do. We have kids' after school programs. We have the the various hobbies that we would like to find time for. We have meals to make. We have doctor's appointments. We have so much to do. We have vacations to plan. We have to run a house. We have to somehow get the kids out the door, get ourselves out the door. We are busy and we are distracted by
1: many things. And we are often, just like Martha, upset and worried. She was consent with all she had to do. She missed what was right in front of her. So that's Martha. Let's take a look at Mary. Jesus sees that Martha is upset, steps into her pain, but says, your little sister Mary has made the right choice. Well, what is the choice that Mary made? Well, there's at least three things we should note from this text.
0: The first thing we should note from the text is that even though both Mary and Martha believed and loved Jesus, Mary has a different heart disposition towards him than Martha does. Martha fails to see in that moment the importance of the person in the room. And what her first and primary response is to do things for him instead of be with him. She's treating him like just another rabbi came into the room. But this wasn't just another rabbi. This was the Messiah. This is the eternal son of God literally hanging out with them for the afternoon. But Mary seems to recognize Jesus at a different level.
1: and her first response, isn't to do things for him, but it's to recognize who he is. He's, Luke has been over and over again trying
0: to make the point that Jesus is not just another teacher. He's not just an extraordinary man.
1: He's not your life coach. He is the Messiah, and he is worthy of all of your attention. Because those who prioritize Jesus first are those that enjoy
0: Jesus most. Martha prioritized her tasks. Mary
1: prioritized Jesus. I don't know if I told this story before, so if I did, act like I haven't. Um,
0: Queen Elizabeth, uh, when she was alive, she used to go up to Balmoral, which is in Scotland, and she used to go on regular walks throughout, in the afternoon with her, um, head of security, I believe his name was Dick. And, um, they were walking one afternoon through the Scottish countryside and a couple of Americans came forward and said, and began chatting with them. And they're like, oh, how's it going? You know, and, um, the queen and Dick are standing there and they're like, oh, it's going well. And they're like, are you are you guys from around here? And the queen and the security guard reply, no, no, no. Um, like we we live in London, we we come up here and they're like, well, how long have you been coming up here? And the queen responded and they don't even recognize that it's the queen. Well, I've been coming up here since a child and the queen is rather old. And so they look at the queen and uh, the head of security and said, you must have seen the queen in your time. And The queen says, you know what, I haven't, but Dick here has. And they're like, oh my gosh, you saw the queen. And this was before the iPhone. And so they're like, can we get a picture with you? And they're like, yeah, of course you can get a picture um, with me. So they're like taking a picture of, you know, with the security guard to go home and show their friends later and, and the, the, the head of security goes, well, why don't you get a picture with her too? And they're like, oh, okay. And so they get a picture with the queen. They, You know, the guy snaps a f- picture and off they go. And the queen leans over to her head of security and goes, I wish I could be a fly at the wall. And they show people those photos. They didn't recognize it was the queen right in front of them that whole time. Because you act a little different When you realize someone important, when you realize royalty is in the room, you act a little different. They would have acted a lot different had they realized that that was the queen in that moment. And Mary realizes that there is royalty in the room. She sees him and she recognizes that her first response is to just recognize who he is. And the second thing she does She sits at his feet and she listens. She listens to Jesus. Now it's already been mentioned that sitting at the feet of a rabbi was something reserved
1: for men at the time. But there she was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he
0: said in such a way that she wanted to let it inform
1: the rest of her life. She is soaking up the words of Jesus. You know what it's like
0: when your children are busy doing a bunch of things and you keep asking them to do something and they're like
1: busy doing their own thing. And You're like, hey, are you listening to what I'm saying? Martha's over there distracted, but Mary, she is listening and hearing Jesus because the first step for a disciple isn't doing. The first step is being, being with Jesus, recognizing who he is and letting his words guide and shape your life. Mary
0: recognizes the importance of Jesus. She listens and then she receives. She's receiving all who Jesus is and all his words were. She was in a receptive posture towards the Lord. When you sat at the feet of Of a rabbi. You were listening in such a way. That I want this man. To to direct every single step. Of my life. To frame my way of thinking. And viewing the world. To shape how I go about. The everyday stuff of life. When you sat at the feet of a rabbi. In those days you were saying that. I want his
1: ways to be my ways. That was Mary. So we have. Distraction, we have devotion, but in this text, there is an invitation. And the invitation is this, to let Jesus be the greatest portion
0: of your life. Your life is not the sum of what you do. Your life is wrapped up in a person, and that is Jesus. When Jesus sent the disciples out on mission, the 72 out on mission, They get back all pumped because they're like, Lord, the demons, we threw out demons by your name. And Jesus' response was, don't rejoice The demons respond to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus keeps coming back to this thing that we don't have to do. The Samaritan, or I'm sorry, the expert in the law in the story of the Good Samaritan last week, he wanted to justify himself, to prove himself to Jesus. And Jesus leads him in a story that makes him realize that, You can't prove yourself to Jesus. You can only receive who Jesus is. And will Jesus be our portion? Will he be everything? Will our first step be listening? Will he be the sum total of all our desires? Would his ways affect everything else? Because those who prioritize Jesus first are those who enjoy Jesus most. The invitation is to let Jesus be our everything. Jesus closes the passage with, Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. Other versions say, Mary has chosen the good portion. Mary
1: has chosen the good portion. And what Jesus is saying is that he is going to be enough for Mary and he can be enough for Martha too. She was going to live her life. Mary was going to live her life starting with Jesus.
0: Most of us, we tend to live distracted lives, hurried lives. And I get it. I'm that way too. Like the pressures to get things done. Our culture tells us that, what we, that who we are is what we produce. And Jesus is trying to get us to say that he is everything we need. That he is the one that can sustain us. That he can be our portion. He can be enough for us, that if we keep him at the center, he can so order the rest of our life. If we prioritize him, that he will be sufficient for everything we face. I love that we started our service off with Psalm 73, and it says, in case you missed it, Who have I in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament, it's the same word. You've chosen the better portion and this portion. Jesus
1: wants to be the sun that everything orbits around. God is enough for whatever we are facing in life. He is enough for all of the things that you have going on. The invitation of the text, friends, is to realize that Jesus
0: is in the room with you. Martha was so busy and
1: so distracted that she missed. Jesus is in the room with her. And his presence is with you. Not kind of with you.
0: Not with you like a father watching his kid at the playground. But with you like on the playground. He saw that Martha was upset and worried about many things. And he sees you upset and worried about many things. He knows you're worried about school starting in a couple weeks. Or the bully. Or making friends. He knows and sees all of your concerns about finances. And whether you can make ends meet this month. Or whether you're going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul. He sees the fear and anxiety you have surrounding your kids and sending them off to school or, or maybe you have another son or daughter who's just distant from you. He sees your anxieties. He sees the sin that you're struggling with, that the temptation that doesn't seem to be able to let up. He sees it and he says, I
1: see that you're worried and upset about many things, but he's still right there with you. Jesus
0: is in the room with us. He's in the car with you in your commute. He's the friend that sticks closer to the brothers. And the invitation from the text is to live like Jesus is in the room with us because he is. He cares about the things you care about. And he wants first place in your life. That means we're going to have to recognize him as such. That He is the king. He's the Messiah. He's the one ordering everything according to the word of his command. That we're going to have to listen to him. We're going to need to prioritize him.
1: We're going to need to receive what he says as true. So here's the question for you. Where do you need to imagine Jesus in the room with you right now? I know you're worried and upset about many things. Is it your marriage that's crumbling? Is it as you shuttle kids around? Is it in your your work?
0: Because it's just very demanding. Is it in your free time when no one's watching? Is it with the relationships that are stressing you out and causing you turmoil?
1: Whether it's your relative, boss, or people in your group home. We get to live like Jesus is in the room with us. And
0: those who prioritize Jesus first are those who enjoy and experience Jesus most. We get to take Jesus into the dark places of our lives. We get to take Jesus into
1: the hard places of our life. He is with us. He said he would be to the end of the age. You see, one of the amazing things that Luke tries to show over and over again
0: is that anybody can come to Jesus. That Jesus Jesus breaks the, the rules at the time, the cultural norms at the time. that that a, That a woman could sit at the feet of a rabbi would have been like paradigm altering for those people. They wouldn't have had a category for it. And I think one of the things we're supposed to see is like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, or if or if people think that you can have a relationship with God or not, Jesus invites you into that. It doesn't matter what you've done, what your past have looked like. Jesus invites you to come sit at his feet to recognize that he is Lord, to listen to what he says and let that shape the rest of your
1: life. You are invited to come to Jesus to sit at his feet because he lets everyone come sit at his feet and listen. And take up his ways and walk in them. You know, one of the things I'm struck by in the text. Is Jesus tells Martha, Mary has made the right choice. Some of it just comes down to that. We make choices every single day. What we wear, how we get up, where we go. We can simply make the choice to prioritize Jesus. We can make the choice to live. And sometimes
0: that that's a constant choosing over and over again. We can make a choice to live like he's in the room with us. And sometimes that means making that choice over and over and over again throughout the day as we as we enter our days. Jesus is with me. He is with me. I'm going to recognize his Lordship. I know I know the Lord has a plan for this. He is with me. I'm going to keep making those choices. No, I'm not I'm not going to run to that sin because he is with me. I'm not going to, I'm going to try to give him my anxieties. He is with me. I know he knows I'm worried and upset about many things. I'm going to try to give that to him. He is with me. We make choices every day. Here are practical ways. Quickly, as we close here. One practical way we can make choices to live with Jesus as at the center or at the top of our priority list is by simply giving him the things that we're worried and upset about. We do a really good job at feeling like we have to dress up our words to God, and sometimes he just wants to know what's going on in our hearts. So give him what you're worried about. Give him what you're worried and upset about. Ask him to show himself there. Second thing is, find time to read the Bible. Now, like I know some of you hear that and you immediately feel burdened, like, oh, I just gotta do more. No, no, this isn't about doing, this is about being with Jesus. Jesus. So if you're not doing anything, maybe it's just you take a verse and you stick it on a note card and you stick that note card somewhere where you can see it because it helps you remember that Jesus is with you. I don't know. If you want to hear what God says, though, you can open the Bible. Then third thing I would say, embrace rituals for living at the feet of Jesus. Embrace gathering together like you are today. Embrace community, community groups, people you can share life with, people that can share You can share the things you're worried and upset about. And one of the other things that we do is communion. It's another thing we do each week. And it's another way of us sitting at the feet of Jesus, letting him remind us through symbols that represent broken body and and poured out blood that that your sin doesn't lay claim on you anymore. That the things that you're worried and upset about, they don't get the final word anymore. That, that Jesus gets the final word and he says that you're his. And the proof of that is found on a bloody cross
1: and an empty tomb. Where he went to die for you and he rose again.